Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome once again to the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Radio Network. I'm your host, Jeff Kane, at Boston Fat Guy on Twitter. Joining me, as always, is Bobby Kravitsky, at Bobby underscore K91. Also on Twitter, you can follow the podcast at, at Patriots Beat. For you Facebook fans out there, hit us up on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash Patriots Beat. We have brought to you today by our good friends over at harrys.com. Go out and get yourself one hell of a shave like I do every single day. Also, by our friends at SeatGeek. Want to go to this weekend's game? Go to the SeatGeek.com and download their app and get $20 off of your first purchase using the code word PATRIOTS. New England Patriots, of course, improved to 8-0 with a victory over the Washington Redskins last week. They go up against their own personal kryptonite, the New York Giants, this Sunday in the Meadowlands, 425 kickoff. Bobby, what do you think? Yeah, Jeff, you said it, their own personal kryptonite, and that's why this game means more to Patriots fans than most regular season games do, because this team, what the Giants did to the Patriots in 07, they beat them again in 2011, and they even beat them in Gillette Stadium during the regular season. So this is a team that the Patriots fans, and I'm sure those members of the Patriots who have been there for those defeats really would like to get the better of this time around. And of course, even if you weren't there, you don't need any extra motivation for this game, but there's certainly the possibility that you use the team's past, frustra- past frustrations, even though you weren't a part of them, to help fire you up for Sunday. I tell you, Bobby, when I first started podcasting, it was during the 2011 Patriots season, the season that ended up in Super Bowl 46 with the loss to the Giants. I remember doing the uh, podcast right after the Patriots vanquished the Baltimore Ravens from the uh, from the playoffs, and we're getting ready to go up against the Giants in Super Bowl 46. And it was the last team I wanted to, to see 
Uh, my co-hosts on that podcast, you know, they were all talking about, oh, yeah, no, going up against the Giants. Yeah, retribution for four years ago. I was like, I don't want to see these guys. I don't want to see them. It's a bad matchup. Listen, things have changed since then. Uh, you know, it's not the same Giants coming through there. I mean, OCU Manura is not walking through that door. Michael Strahan is not walking through that door. J- Jason Pierre-Paul is walking through that door. He's missing a couple digits, but he's walking through that door. But it still scares the crap out of me. Yeah, look, I mean, this has been a bad matchup for the Patriots. And in 2011, look, I'm right there with you that I felt that the Patriots, they clearly were lucky, lucky to get by Baltimore at the end of that game. And then I felt that the Giants were the better team going in. My hope was that Belichick and Brady would be enough, especially giving Belichick two weeks to prepare for a team that he's already lost in the Super Bowl to. And, you know, Wes Welker hangs on to the football. It might be a different story, but the reality is that the Giants came away with the victory again that day. But when you look at this Giants defense, you know, they just lost Leonard Hankerson, who is their best defender against the run. It's not nearly as talented a linebacker group as the Patriots are used to going up against when they've played the Giants in the past. And the pass rush is not nearly as formidable as it used to be when you had all those guys there that you mentioned, the Justin Tucks, Osu Minoras of the world, Matthias Kiwanuka, not there anymore. So, look, Jason Pierre-Paul played very well in his debut the other week, and I'm sure that they're going to have to double-team him come Sunday. But the reality is that this is a different Giants defense than what the Patriots are used to seeing from them. Oh, it is. I mean, they're they're ranked 31st against the pass with 307 yards per game, 22nd against the run, 115 yards per game. They're giving up the most yards on in the league. They're 32nd, 422 and 25.1 points per game. It's pretty tough there. I mean, they're not the same defense still. I wonder about the New England Patriots. They patched together an offensive line last week uh, with Brian Stork going out and playing right tackle and playing a hell of a job there. Cameron Fleming playing at left tackle, his first time ever at left tackle. From practice squad to starting left tackle, unbelievable. Uh, Sebastian Vollmers was out the last two days uh, with his head injury. Marcus Cannon, uh, you know, he still has his big toe issue. Grow up, little boy. Um, But you know what? I'm a little nervous about this Patriots offensive line. Sure, you can patch it together uh, on the fly against the Washington Redskins. What are you going to do for me now? Yeah, and that, this is a bigger test. In some ways, it reminds me of opening night, the Patriots offensive line, all those question marks, all those young pieces playing together. They did very well against Pittsburgh. Then they go into that Buffalo game, and that whole week, that was the question. Can they step up against a bigger test? And look, that Patrick offensive line, say what you want about it, they did very well against the Redskins. Now, just like in week one going into week two against Buffalo, they faced a more formidable pass rush, a stronger defensive line, especially with Jason Pierre-Paul back in the fold for New York. So we'll see if they're able to rise up to the occasion. And Jeff, just like you mentioned there, Marcus Cannon, what's going on, bro? I mean, it. I mean, a toe, it sounds a lot softer of an injury than it probably is. I'm sure that's impacting him. And look, if if it was up to him, he'd probably be up there already. But 
it's just a little ridiculous. He's been out for a long time with this toe injury. I'm not blaming him, but they needed him to step up. And the first series, the game after Nate Solder goes down, he gets injured, has to leave, and hasn't come back since. I mean, it's bad luck, and at the same time, it is a bit frustrating not to see him able to come back when the team needs him even more now that Sebastian Vollmer is not going to be cleared to play. Oh, exactly. And you look at this team, and and they lost one of their most vital offensive weapons in Deion Lewis, and that was one of the reasons they had been able to get by on this patchwork line is because Deion Lewis was a nice check down, a quick pass, the screen game, uh, you know, his ability to pass block when he stayed in. I'm I'm worried a little bit now without having Lewis, who who was such a big part of this offense um, for seven of the first eight games, other than the game that he was out against the New York Jets, a game when the Patriots still won. Um, but losing Deion Lewis hurts as well. Yeah, it's the reality is that losing Deion Lewis is a big loss for this Patriots offense. He was a key cog in it, and he is a great guy from everything that we've heard and read, and this was a great comeback story. And so I feel awful for Deion Lewis, and I am glad that he signed a contract extension up front rather than waiting until after the year to hit the market because clearly that decision at least has worked out for him now. And... The reality from a Patriots perspective is this train keeps on rolling, Jeff. The what allowed Deion Lewis to be so effective from a team from a team standpoint is that defenses have to devote so much attention to Gronkowski and Edelman and Amendola, and then LaFell came back into the mix and he had a pretty good day on Sunday against Washington. He looks to be getting back into rhythm and so that helped make the, that helped put Deion Lewis in the position to thrive and he did so they're not going to get the same type of production out of James White Brandon Bolden and anyone that comes in via free agency or a trade via free agency excuse me but the reality is that they're still going to get production out of that satellite back out of that third down running back position it's just it's just presumably not going to be someone who's able to produce at the level that Deion Lewis was. You know, and it's funny because earlier this offseason, I wrote a article about the Patriots and, and their running backs. And where would they be, you know, having to replace Shane Vereen and Steven Ridley? And Deion Lewis, even though he was on the roster, he wasn't even in on my ballpark because I thought he was just a camp body. Uh, so stranger things have happened. He just became such a vital, important role. And as Tom Brady said, uh, you know, he became an instant cult hero uh, in New England with his with his jitterbug moves. That being said, we did see a little bit out of James White this preseason, especially the preseason opener against the uh, Green Bay Packers, where he was able to do a couple of those, uh, you know, jitterbug moves and get down and around and and and, and do some things. So I'm not as worried of James White as running the ball or, or catching the ball, I'm worried about the ability to, to pass protect uh, with James White being in there. I'm also worried that maybe, just maybe, Josh McDaniels gets away from that uh, wide receiver, I'm sorry, excuse me, halfback screen game that he seemed to get away from with Shane Vereen. Shane Vereen was a phenomenal, phenomenal player for this New England Patriots team. 
had a great Super Bowl. But the one thing with Vereen that they never really did was the halfback screens. Where those quick draws? Because that wasn't his game. His game was, you know, staying in those wheel routes, lining up in the slot, catching passes, you know, quick swing passes. They didn't do that screen game. That screen game was so vital for the New England Patriots the first eight games of the season and also, um, you know, earlier in the in the century with the Patriots, how great that halfback screen game has become. I don't want to see them get away from that. Yeah, Jeff, I think you answered your own question there because, you know, the reason that they didn't utilize the halfback screen nearly as much with Vereen as they did Dion Lewis is that one is much quicker and more elusive than the other, whereas Shane Vereen, 5'10", 205, is bigger. Now, the reality is that James White is also listed at that exact same height and weight. So I think they're going to try and use him similar to how they used Shane Vereen, maybe not as polished a route runner at this point in his career, but I still think that they're going to use him in a similar fashion, which really... I what just stands out to me about James White watching him in that Jets game is the lack of quickness, the lack of burst. He just, you know, we've already talked about it on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Some of our diehards might remember this, but he gets a chance down near the goal line. They toss it to him and he takes it to the outside against the Jets defensive line and a Jets defense overall, really, that as good as they are, what they lack is speed and quickness, and he has a nice stiff arm, but he just can't break free and punch it in. And, you know, he had the drop that stalled a drive in the first half. So there were some frustrating moments for for James White against the Jets. And really what stood out to me that, you know, the Patriots are going to have to work around to help James White maximize his abilities while on the field is a lack of quickness. Uh, yeah, and I agree with you there. And that's why I'm scared. I'm scared that they're going to get away from what has already worked for this team this year because you don't have that same quickness. You don't have that halfback screen quickness, and it's been huge. But uh, enough on, on laying on that. LeGarrette Blount had a phenomenal game last year, uh, last week. Um, I, I'm thinking now they're going to rely on him a little bit more. And we've seen Blount catch the ball a little better this year. I'm looking at Blount to have a bigger game against the New York Giants, kind of changing around what they've done lately and not spread them out as much, but you know, use that power run game uh, with Rob Gronkowski and Matt Williams uh, there. Or Mike Williams, what the hell is that kid's name? <laughs> Michael Williams, you, know, you got Michael it. Michael Williams, I got it. You know, lining up at the, at that, you know, basically tackle eligible because he's freaking huge, and, and and pounding it down the throat using the play action pass uh, to get the ball out to to the guys like Danny Amendola and Julian Edelman and, and Brandon LaFell. Yeah, Legarrette Blount against the Redskins last week goes for 129 yards and a touchdown on 29 carries. He would have had two touchdowns presumably if Brian Stork didn't have. The mistake he made, you know, firing out to the second level, leaving someone to absolutely take Blount out at, around the goal line. Blount probably punches it in if Stork just blocks the guy in front of him. And I'm absolutely in favor of pounding the rock with Laguerre Blount this week. Look, we I already said earlier, Giants just lost their best run defender last week 
And so I am all in favor of pounding the rock, have a little more balance to the offense than we've seen for the first eight games of this season. And we all know that opens up the play action for the Patriots. And Jeff, quite frankly, I just don't understand these defenses and these defensive coordinators. I would be completely okay if I'm an opposing defense in saying, I would rather you guys react late to a handoff than bite on the play action, get sucked up, and open things up for the Patriots passing game for longer conversions than we're going to give up being a step slow to commit to stopping the run. Couldn't agree with you more, Bobby. Swapping sides here, the New York Giants, of course, have old friend Eli Manning, who has beat the Patriots, of course, twice in the Super Bowl. And he is having, actually, a pretty decent year for himself, um, completing almost 66% of his passes, 19 touchdowns versus only six interceptions. So he's taking care of the ball a little bit there. I'm thinking if I'm Bill Belichick of the Patriots, you got to stop Eli Manning and the passing game before you stop anything else because their rushing game you know, it is nothing to write home with Rashad Jennings and Andre Williams. They're not doing much. Uh, they've had Orleans Darka, uh, Darkwa uh, running the ball lately. But I'm looking at this team. I'm not worried as much about the running backs as I am about Odell Beckham and Reuben Randall and, of course, Shane Vereen, who is having a solid first year for the Giants, catching 34 passes uh, and having three touchdowns. So I'm looking at this right now, and let's take a quick stab at the Shane Vereen here in this game because he could be a key cog. Jamie Collins has been out. He was out last week, uh, and then this week he's been out. Uh, hasn't been a practice because of an illness. Now, there are reports that uh, you know this, his status for the game is in doubt. There's been other reports that the virus, they're hoping, will be cleared up in a couple of days and he'll be good to go. But anytime you've got a virus that's not allowing you to eat and you're, you're, you're weak, you, you worry about will Jamie Collins have that same explosion and that same ability to co- cover Shane Vereen as he has in the past. Yeah, and Jeff, Jamie Collins is such an integral part to this defense that he's one of those guys that I would say, we're not going to rush this. We're going to make sure that when he comes back, it's because he is absolutely ready to come back. There's not a question. You know, He's got his strength back. He's got his explosion back, that, that he is ready to go, and we're not concerned about the possibility that we might have rushed him back into the mix. He's a player who you need down the stretch and come playoff time. So quite frankly, I wouldn't play him this week, even if you get to Saturday and he starts feeling good and he can eat again and he's feeling like he can play. I still would say, let's take the cautious route. Let's sit him this week. There's no doubt that's going to have a negative impact on your defense because Jonathan Freeney had a pretty bad game against Washington and obviously he's not nearly the same caliber player that Jamie Collins is. So what that means is that Dante Hightower has to step up. Patrick Chung, who for all intents and purposes is a linebacker, has to step up. It means that all these guys, it means that Freeney has to play better. We'll see what Gerard Mayo does and how much he plays. Yeah, that's that's sad. Yeah, it is. Although, you know, <laughs> There's just there's a few glimpses of the old Gerard Mayo. We weren't even getting glimpses to start this year. The last two weeks, we've seen a couple plays, most notably 
in garbage time against Miami. He showed a bit of explosiveness. So we'll see if he can start resembling even more of how he used to play. That would certainly be nice for the Patriots, especially if Collins does, in fact, miss this game. You know, I think they're going to look to play a lot of zone defense against the Giants because, like you just said, you know, Jamie Collins would have been perfect to throw on. Shane Vereen would have been perfect on Rashad Jennings coming out of the backfield as well. Not that he's the same threat Vereen is, but just a great option to have covering those guys. Now I think they may want to take a different approach. It may make it easier for them to blitz more, especially sending Hightower up the middle if they take a zone philosophy. And if not, then I think you see Beckham double-teamed with Logan Ryan playing underneath him and Malcolm Butler one-on-one with Victor Cruz. Yeah, exactly. Now, Larry uh, Donnell, of course, and forgive me, he is out for this game. So that's one extra weapon that the Patriots really don't have to deal with. Um, But he is out for this game. I'm looking at Odell Beckham Jr., and this kid has come on, and he's just one of the best wide receivers in the game right now. You just said right there, you know, you see a little double team with Logan Ryan, who's having a very special season, I believe. Um, is that what? Is that how you think they're going to go up against this? So you're going to have them basically have uh, Logan Ryan and, and a safety over the top uh, against Odell Beckham, and then have uh, Butler go up against whether it be Cruz if he actually makes it back for this game or uh, or Reuben Randall. Well, yeah, I'm just I'm in favor of double teaming the number one. You put your number one cornerback on the number two. Some weeks they've done it, some weeks they haven't. For example, Butler got not just Antonio Brown and Sammy Watkins, but more recently than that, he drew Jarvis Landry, and he had Deshaun Jackson against Washington. So it wouldn't surprise me in the least if they put him on OD, on Beckham, OBJ rather, not ODB of the Wu-Tang Clan. But another, <laughs> another important matchup to keep in mind here is Ruben Randall is six foot two. The Patriots That's cornerbacks are tiny. These, I don't think they have any that are six feet even. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they match up against Randall. Now, maybe they play him one-on-one with whoever is not double-teaming Beckham, whether that is Butler or Logan Ryan. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Devin McCourty on him and maybe even Pat Chung gets a few cracks at him. And Pat Chung is having a very good season right now. His second tour with the New England Patriots has been a huge difference from his first tour of duty. Uh, second year back... With the Patriots, of course, he spent that uh, year out there in uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles. He's been great, and he's been lining up, you know, against the slot receivers. He's been lining up against tight ends. He's been playing very well. Kudos to Patrick Chung. Oh, absolutely. He was effective in the opportunities he got against T.Y. Hilton the week before that. He was effective one-on-one against Jason Witten. He helped cover Jordan Reed. So he has had a much improved season this year and a much improved second stint overall with the Patriots. And Bill Belichick's even talked about at times during the season that a lot of it has to do with just doing a better job of maximizing his strengths, not putting him out there in center field or anything like that, you know, where he's got to cover in a lot of open space 
especially you know further down the field at that third level. Now he really is playing like a linebacker, and clearly it's working. It's working really well. They're not asking him, uh, you know, to, to be a two deep zone safety. How the Patriots had played for many years, having you know not a free safety and a strong safety, but having just two safeties, one playing left side of the field, one playing the right side of the field. You're right. They're moving to more of a more of a uh, free safety, strong safety look. They're playing a lot of uh, one man up coverage. You know, uh, excuse me, one man deep coverage in a, in a cover one or cover three. They've been doing that a lot, and it's helped a lot because Patrick Chung in tight spots and in, in short spots has been doing unbelievable. So kudos to him. Uh, really excited to see what else Patrick Chung does and the myriad of safeties that they have out there. I mean, they last week they had you know Jordan Richards, Dron Harmon, Patrick Chung, Nate Ebner, uh, and, and Devin McCourty all playing roles on that defense. Um, you know, they got a ton of uh, a ton of safeties. Yeah, one less now with Dewey McDonald being cut, but all the safeties on the 53. Dewey McDonald cut. Yeah, so who's going to forget the Dewey McDonald era and everything he brought to the table? In all seriousness, not a bad special teamer, but no one's going to remember his short stint with the Patriots unless he's brought back down the line. Anyways, though, moving on, you know, something that I would like to see the Patriots do this week this is a game where that versatility in the front seven could really come in handy, even more so than some of these past matchups where they can drop guys like a Rob Ninkovich back into coverage and allow Dante Hightower, allow some of these other guys to test the Giants' interior offensive line where there are some question marks there between Pugh and Richburg and Jeff Schwartz. It's not the most formidable interior, so I would like to see the Patriots test the Giants up the middle, and to do so, you're going to want to drop someone back in coverage, and luckily they have guys on the defensive line who can do so. So yes, they'll really miss Jamie Collins in this area because he's so effective at getting after the quarterback, and obviously his coverage abilities are well known, and we talked about him already, but nonetheless, I'd still like to see the Patriots go that route especially blitzing up the A and B gaps. Well, you know, you mentioned Dewey McDonald getting cut, and he was uh, he was waived uh, in, in favor of a linebacker, Eric Martin. So I was, I'm thinking McDonald gets waived, and they bring up, you know, an offensive lineman. Instead, they bring up an, a, a linebacker, and to me, it seems that that's not a place they really needed. I understand that, you know, Jamie Collins might miss this game, but you just signed Jonathan Freeney to a two-year contract extension. You traded for John Bostick on September 29th. You have Gerard Mayo. What do you need another linebacker for? Protect the franchise, man. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I'll say to counter that is the reality is that we're not there during the week. We don't see what's no, going not, on in not. practice. And if Blaine Cozell or any of the linemen that are on the Patriots practice squad were ready to go and could step in and contribute, then it probably would have been one of them getting the nod. Instead, Belichick looks at what they have. Jonathan Farini, stepping in for Jamie Collins last week, did not play well. He's more of a special teamer. So I'm not saying that Eric Martin is going to make all the difference in the world. He may, he may be inactive for all we know. That wouldn't be much of a surprise, would it? 
But clearly, these are decisions based on stuff that we're not seeing. And Bill Belichick has a pretty good track record. So I trust that this was the right move and that if any of those linemen could have contributed on Sunday, then one of them would have been brought up to the 53-man roster. And the other thing that I wondered also, because with the injury to Deion Lewis and him being placed on the injured reserve ending his season, the Patriots, uh, you know, they remain at 52 players on their active roster. Uh, even with the move of releasing Dewey McDonald and bringing up Eric Martin, they still have a uh, one more spot to bring someone up. So that could be an offensive lineman. Uh, they did work out Pierre Thomas and uh, um, Robert Turbin. Robert Turbin. Thank you. I couldn't remember his name. Robert Turbin, of course, formerly of the Seattle Seahawks. I don't think either one of them, if they're signed, uh, make a big of a difference uh, for the New England Patriots this week. But there is an open roster spot. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see what they do. We know that the Patriots, like any team, love to keep their opponent guessing. They like to wait until the last minute possible to make these moves. For example, Brandon LaFell had been practicing, and it was presumed that he was going to play that week against the Jets, but he wasn't officially activated to the 53-man roster until the last minute possible. So that's just how the Patriots like to do it, keeping things close to the vest. And we'll see if they have plans on bringing someone up at the last minute possible for this game on Sunday. It's going to be interesting. I know everyone's looking offensive line. But when it comes to the Patriots, you really just don't know who is going to get that call. And it wouldn't be completely shocking, Jeff, if they don't even fill that 53rd roster spot by Sunday. Wouldn't be completely shocking. It'll be interesting Friday afternoon. They've been, you know, ruling guys out Friday afternoons now. They did it last week, uh, you know, with Jamie Collins. They did it with uh, Marcus Cannon. You know, they've been ruling people out on Friday. So Friday afternoon, we'll be looking to see what the Patriots will be doing uh, with uh, their, their active roster uh, moving forward. But uh, a lot of things happen, and it's a tough game against the uh, New York Giants. I know people are sitting there going, oh, it's not the same old Giants. I'm still a scared of the New York Giants. And call me what you may, but I'm just still scared of them, man. Yeah, look, I mean, they have, they're the one team, I'm sure that most Patriots fans are aware the one team since the calendar turned to 2008 that the Patriots are yet to beat. Two of those losses on the game's biggest stage, you know, fluky or not in how those games played out at the end of them. The reality is this is a Giants team that's had the Patriots number. And with all the emotion that's gone into this season, this is a game that the fans that guys who have been there for those past defeats, and as a result, guys who weren't there but can just feel it and feed off that. This is a game that Patriots Nation as a whole, both including the team and its fan base, really wants because of the fact that the Giants have had success every time they've played them the last three rounds. And like I said, to start this, two of them on the game's biggest stage. And one of them... You know, they beat what still, in my opinion, is the greatest NFL team of all time. I know it's hard to say that without the ring, but I still feel that way, even though they lost that one all-important game at the end. Yeah, and Tom Coughlin 
has had Bill Belichick's number in, in, in a lot of these games. Uh, I think Belichick is 1-5 in his career against Tom Coughlin. It's going to take a razor focus to really defend and beat these Giants uh, down at the New Meadowlands. Speaking of razors, have you tried Harry's yet? Well, I have. Harry's.com. Get your best razors. I'm telling you right now, these are great. Before I tried Harry's, I used to get out and go down to you know the local drugstore every single week. Uh, or once a month, really, and buy those expensive blades, and it was a lot of money out of my pocket. Well, Harry's.com has a beautiful German-engineered razors that just make your face feel so smooth. I shave every other day. My wife loves them. Uh, she you know, calls me more kissable, if you can believe that the Boston fat guy could be kissable. Uh, but it's just such a smooth, smooth shave. And Harry's was started by two guys who are passionate about creating a better shaving experience. Say goodbye to sending money down the drain and just go out to harrys.com today. For listeners of my show, Harry's is giving $5 off your first purchase of a starter set with the coupon code PATRIOTS. After entering my code PATRIOTS at checkout, you can get Harry's starter set for just $10. That's a month worth of shaving for just $10 with the code word PATRIOTS at checkout. Harry's starter set is a month worth of shaving and comes with a razor, three of Harry's high-quality German-engineered blades, and a bottle of shaving cream, all shipped straight to your door for free. I've also gone out and got their face wash. It is great. Leaves my face nice and tingly. I love it. It just smells good. It feels good. Their aftershave is unbelievable. So say good- goodbye to choosing between expensive brands or cheap disposables and say hello to Harry's high-quality blades at a price you'll love. Go to harrys.com right now and enter the code word PATRIOTS at checkout to get $5 off your first purchase. Get a month's worth of shaving for just $10 with my code word PATRIOTS at checkout. That's harrys.com, code word PATRIOTS. And as I said, going to take razor focus by the New England Patriots and their players and coaching staff to match wits with Tom Coughlin, Eli Manning, and the rest of the New York Giants. That was well done from the Boston fact. i got to give you your props for that seamless transition <laughs> and Jeff I gotta give you props for a couple things from last week's episode I hope you didn't think I forgot let's start with the fact that right here on these airwaves you called the upset of the week that the Colts at home would hand Denver its first L of the season check Colts did that so props to you for getting that one you also gave Logan Ryan your defensive game ball he had a pretty good game on Sunday against Washington as well. Oh, he sure did. Hey, listen, of course I'm going to pick uh, the Colts to lose to Indianapolis. You have Peyton Manning in a big game going up against his former team, trying to stay undefeated. Uh, not only that, but possibility of breaking uh, Brett Favre's record for passing yards in a single game uh, in a single career. And it all adds up to him losing. And it just made me glee. I, I, I was gleeful when he threw the interception uh, that our old friend, not Malcolm Butler, but our old friend, I don't even remember his first Darius Butler. Darius Butler. From that was Utah. one hell of an interception, too. That was a great interception. And, you know, he completes that pass. Peyton Manning's the all-time leader. Of course, he throws the interception. Akeem Tlaib does the poke in the eye. The Dolphins start uh, the Dolphins. The Broncos start to fall apart. Uh, you know, your boy, um, uh, Ware, now has an injured back, going to miss two to four weeks. 
The cycle has begun right on schedule. Another season where DeMarcus Ware begins to fade away at the halfway point in the season. The long-standing track record now dating back to the end of his tenure with Dallas. Part of the reason they didn't re-sign him. And right on cue, we hit the eighth week in the season, and DeMarcus Ware begins to fade away. And break down a little bit. Also of note in that game, Andrew Luck going to be out, I believe the reports are four to six weeks. Uh, lacerated kidney and abdominal issues. Uh, you know, you hate to see anyone get hurt. Andrew Luck has had a really, really rough year uh, here. He He's just, he's been horrible. I mean, the only real good games I remember him playing uh, were last week and against the Patriots. He's played up to his competition. Now old friend Matt Hasselback is... Of, uh, of Boston College and, and Massachusetts fame uh, will come out and try to lead uh, uh, you know the Indianapolis Colts back to uh, division champions here they're, they're four and what they're four and five on the season now it's gonna be tough it's frustrating knowing that the door is wide open for the Houston Texans and yet they have no chance and they're not going to win the division and the Colts get the benefit of playing in the AFC South Typically, any sport, most seasons, there's a weaker division where some team gets to back its way into the playoffs, and that certainly seems like it's going to be the Indianapolis Colts this season. It does seem like it's going to be the Colts. I want nothing more than for the Houston Texans to take that next step. And and, and I don't know what it is about the Texans. Maybe it's because... You know, old friend uh, Billy O'Brien's the head coach. You have Mike Vrabel as one of their, uh, you know, their linebackers coach. You have, you know, Brian Hoyer as their starting quarterback. Vince Wilfork's on that team. You know, I'm I'm rooting for the Texans to win that division only because I like a lot of the former players on that team. Not that I would ever root uh, for them against the New England Patriots or anything like that. But there's a lot to like about that Texans team. Unfortunately, they're just not that good. Yeah, they're really not. And look, the Texans are very likable, especially for Patriots fans with all the connections there. They were great on hard knocks, but the reality is that they just don't have a quarterback. And that's another Patriots connection for them, that position with Hoyer and formerly Ryan, set your alarm clock, Mallet. But, you know, they just don't have much at that position. And newsflash it's a pretty important position if you're going to be a successful football team so until they're able to get a quarterback I don't know how much progress that franchise is going to make yeah I mean you can't really win a Super Bowl anymore with a you know a game manager a la Trent Dilfer uh you know in 2000 with the Ravens or even Tom Brady uh in 2001 with the Patriots I mean Tom Brady turned out to be the greatest quarterback in all time, in in, in my eyes. But back in two thousand one, he uh, he was just a game manager. They they didn't put the ball into his hands too many times to win. You need a signal caller that can absolutely carry your team in today's NFL. Yeah, I one hundred percent agree with you there. And Jeff, now it's time to get into our game balls and to make our predictions and. For eight weeks, it hasn't been too much of a mystery in who we were going with. I'm curious to see 
who your prediction is. I know that the listeners are curious to see if we predict the Patriots to stay undefeated or if we feel like they're going to take their first loss of the season against the Giants, who people just hate more and more now. I'm curious. The fans are curious. So let's get into it. I believe I started last week with game balls and predictions, but I have no problem going first this week. I'll let the Boston fat guy take a second to let those thoughts percolate. And so (laughs) I'm going to start. Percolate. Good good word. Oh, you know, I try to put that Syracuse education to use every now and then. Your parents are very happy about that because they they had to foreclose on their home just to get you through. I'm just kidding. It was worth it, Mom and Dad. (laughs) And so my offensive game ball is going to have to go. You ready for this one, Jeff? I'm ready for it. I'm going with big number 87, Rob Gronkowski. Oh, yeah. You know, that's, you look at the Giants' safeties, you look at their linebackers, that's the man. I think big number 87 is going to have a monster game for the Patriots. I think Brady, without Deion Lewis, is going to lock in on Gronk even more. Sometimes that's costly, and that may happen a couple times against the Giants, but I still think that 87 is going to feast. I think that this is a game that D.L. Lewis could have feasted if he was healthy. I also think, and I was tempted to give him my game ball, but it's just it's too difficult to give someone in this role that type of accolade. I was tempted, Jeff, I'll be honest, to give Michael Williams my offensive <laughs> game ball. We all know the Patriots are going to need help on the edges. Quite frankly, this is just me. I'm not predicting it's going to happen, but I would love to see him in the red zone, you know, go out there to the end zone and catch a touchdown pass. I think that would be great. But just, you know, because it's mostly going to be blocking, I think he's going to be an important factor on Sunday. But I think that Gronk is obviously going to be a bigger factor. So he gets my offensive game ball. And then defensively, look, we know the key is taking away Odell Beckham. And so... I'm going to go with whichever cornerback has him underneath. I think that Malcolm Butler gets Ruben Randall one-on-one so that Logan Ryan can play Beckham underneath. So I'm giving my game ball to the same guy that you did last week. I don't think we've ever had a role player get the game ball from each one of us two weeks in a row. I'm going with Logan Ryan for my defensive MVP on Sunday. That's good. That's good. All right. I'll get into it now, and then I'll let you give your score. But I'm sure I'm going to get the hate mail. I'm sure I'm going to get the hate tweets. Oh, no. You're already breaking my heart. I know. The Patriots are going to lose this week. The Patriots are going to lose this week. I, I When I circled the calendar, you know, when, when the schedule comes out in April and May, and you're circling the calendar, and you're saying, all right, that's a win. This is a loss. You know, I had this game against the Giants as a loss. I'm sticking by my convictions, not that the Patriots can't play and can't win this game because I'll give you their reasons on when I pick my offensive and defensive player of the game, how they could win. Patriots have not, listen, you play who's on your schedule, and the Patriots have gotten very lucky with who they've played on this schedule uh, this year. Uh, you know, they, they went up against the Pittsburgh Steelers without Le'Veon Bell, and uh, Martavius Bryant, and they were able to win that game against the Dallas Cowboys, a game which I figured uh, they would lose. Uh, you know, they didn't have to play uh, Des Bryant or Tony Romo. 
Now you go up against the New York Giants, and while, yes, you're right, the Giants did lose their best uh, defensive run stuffer, the Patriots now are down to maybe one true tackle uh, on the offensive line. They just lost their dynamic playmaker or running back um, in uh, Deion Lewis. They may or may not have Jamie Collins coming out on Sunday. All of this adds up to some really tough adversity that the Patriots of this year have not faced yet. And I'm not saying that they can't win because I hope they do, but my heart tells me one thing, my brain tells me the other. I have the Patriots losing this one uh, 28-24. to Again, another close game against the New York Giants just because of all those injuries. Now, if the Patriots can win this game, which of course they can, it's one of those defining moments that every championship team needs. Last year we saw the Patriots have a gauntlet of a schedule going up against all those great teams that they played last year, the Packers, which of course was a loss, but it was still a game that they were right in there. Uh, you know, they had they they went up against league leaders, uh, division leaders, six straight weeks, great passers out there, and they were able to win. They haven't been tested this year. This is the first test, and every championship team needs a test. Now, while I'm picking them to lose this game, as I said, 28 to 24, they can win this game, and if they're gonna win this game on offense. It's going to be James White. He's going to have to step up and become not everything Deion Lewis was because no one saw what Deion Lewis was. Hell, Deion Lewis didn't see what Deion Lewis was. And don't tell me that Bill Belichick, Michael Lombardi, and Nick Casario thought they were going to get exactly what they did out of Deion Lewis. Lewis was caught lightning in a bottle. He was excellent. But bring in James White. If James White is able to pick up the pass rush, if he's able to catch the ball, if he's able to run run the ball, get himself 10 to 15 touches and really be a difference maker in this game, the Patriots offense can score. I'm just a little nervous here with the lack of depth on this offensive line and having Lewis gone. That's one of the reasons I'm only picking the Patriots to score 24 points. On the defensive side of the ball, if we're going to have that great player that's going to be out there, that guy that's going to you know, change the complexity of the game and be able to have the Patriots go out and win, um, it's going to be Dominic Easley. He's going to have to take over that line. Eli Manning's been sacked 12 times this year. If you can get after Eli Manning and disrupt his timing of throwing the ball to guys like Odell Beckham and Reuben Randall, you got to have Dominic Easley in his face. If Easley is able to take over this game, then you have a very good chance at winning. But right now, I look at this offense of the uh, the Giants, which you know a couple weeks ago scored, what, 49 points and lost, um, going up against the Patriots' defense, which has played very well this year. It's tough uh, against Odell Beckham, who I'm, I'm looking at, and if they don't have Jamie Collins, that's, that really takes a lot out of Donta Hightower. Hightower... Uh, you know, wasn't anywhere near as good as he was, um, you know, last 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 game without Collins there. Of course, there were some issues there as well, uh, health-wise. But I'm looking at this game, and it's just one of those games I see the Patriots dropping. And, and it's not bad to drop one game. I mean, not every year can you go undefeated. And I've said it over and over again, the Patriots are not going to go undefeated this year. So I believe they dropped this game. Jeff, look, first off, 
this is a show that's known for being real, not sugarcoating. So I respect the prediction and I love the analysis. I thought you were dead on in a lot of those points. Two counterpoints I want to make, and one is irrelevant, but I still want to say that when it comes to what the Patriots got out of Deion Lewis and him exceeding expectations, if you remember before that opening night game, what Al Michael said was that Tom Brady spoke to him during the week and said, Deion Lewis is a special player and that Patriots fans are going to grow to love him quickly. So we did. Between, we definitely did. Yes, and between Brady's comments and between the fact that the Patriots saw enough out of him in the early going to sit him for most of training camp, I think it tells you that they knew they had a potential key cog in this offense in Deion Lewis. And did he ex- exceed their expectations? I'm sure. But I think they did know that Deion Lewis had the chance to be really special. Just listen to Brady's comments, and he pretty much tells you as much. Secondly, I know that this Giants pass rush is getting Jason Pierre-Paul back now, but they have only not, bit, Only bits and pieces of him. They have, yeah, exactly. And they have nine sacks this year. That's the fewest in the league. They're the only team still in single digits for sacks. And what that tells me is that the Patriots can make Jason Pierre-Paul irrelevant. They can take him out of the equation this game, just like they do any other time they're facing a team that features one great pass rusher. And this Giants defense, this Giants pass rush has not stepped up without Jason Pierre-Paul before. I see no reason why all of a sudden they're going to go into this game feeling like they can lean on him he gets taken out, and they're going to rise to the occasion. I don't see it happening. They haven't done it any game this season. They gave up 52 points to the Saints and lost. I know that was on the road, but Prince of Mukamara might not be playing again. He's going to be a game-time decision. So I still think that this Giants defense, even with Pierre-Paul back, because the Patriots will game plan to take him away, I think that this Giants defense is just not nearly the same level we're used to. I think when you really look at the situation and what's gone on this season, a lot of it is the stigma of those past defeats, and it doesn't match up with the reality of this Giants roster and who's healthy and who's not, who's there now and who is no longer in the mix. I think the Patriots win this game. I think that Brady has a big game. I think that the offensive line steps up within reason because, again, it's more of a test than Washington, but even though it's the Giants, it's not the same caliber test that it would have been in years past with New York. So I think the Patriots find a way to reach 30 points. That's usually where they win games. That's usually the sweet spot. So I'm going 31-24, Pats win. No, There we go. Well, do you want to go down and cheer on the Patriots down at the new Meadowlands this week and prove my prediction wrong, well, there's no better place to get it than going to SeatGeek and SeatGeek.com. My listeners can use my promo code in the SeatGeek app and get $20 off a rebate for your first SeatGeek purchase. It will take less than a minute to download the app today. SeatGeek does a ton of things that other ticketing sites don't do. First, SeatGeek pulls in ticket options from hundreds of online ticket sellers to create one-stop shop for tickets. When you shop on SeatGeek, 
you're seeing virtually every ticket option available for that game all on one page. No need to go anywhere else. Also, you have this great feature called the Deal Score. It ranks every ticket on the market with a 1 to 100 value and plus the best deals on a color-coded interactive map so you can easily identify the best ticket values in the building at a glance. Finally, SeatGeek's mobile app makes ticket buying purchases seamless and easy. No more typing in squiggly letters you can't read into a little box that the other sites make you do. On SeatGeek, you can store your credit card, and once you find the tickets you want to buy, you can complete the purchase with just two quick taps. There's no faster way to buy tickets. To redeem your promo code and save $20 on tickets, download the free SeatGeek app today. Enter the promo code PATRIOTS in the app. SeatGeek will then send you $20 once you've made your first purchase from SeatGeek. Every ticket purchased by SeatGeek is backed by 100% guaranteed. So go download the free SeatGeek app today and enter the promo code PATRIOTS and go root on the New England Patriots this week against the Giants. Or if you want to see old friend Rex Ryan come in next week against the uh, New England Patriots at home, you can do that if you're out in Denver uh, in two weeks. Uh, and, you know, if you're out trying to uh, get some illegal uh, in Massachusetts but legal in Colorado fun time, uh, you can be out there and buy uh, yourself some uh, tickets through SeatGeek. So get there today. Use the promo code PATRIOTS. Bobby, any final thoughts getting up to this game against the New York Giants? No, I think we've pretty much covered all the ground. All I'll say is that we know exactly how fans are going to feel if this is the first (laughs) loss of the season, if once again they cannot get over this hump against the Giants. And we know exactly how much elation there's going to be, how much jubilation there's going to be if the Patriots are able to beat the Giants and keep this train rolling. Well, that's the hope right there. Hopefully Bobby is right with his 31-24 to prediction, and I am wrong with my 28-24 to prediction. But you know what? After the New England Patriots and New York Giants game, tune in to CLNS Radio and listen to the Patriots post-game show. You can do that by going to www.blogtalk.com radio.com slash Patriots postgame. This week, it is Michael Longi hosting with Bill Bodell uh, being his co-host. You can, of course, call in at 929-477-2386. That's the toll-free number. After every single Patriots game, listen to the Patriots postgame show on the CLNS Radio app. For Bobby Kavitsky, I am Jeff Kane. This has been another Patriots Beat. We'll talk to you guys next week after hopefully the Patriots are able to prove me wrong and be victorious over the New York Giants. Until then, we'll catch you guys on the book. Sports Talk Radio, CLNS Radio.